Well, I was out of the country uh, last week up until Christmas Day when we flew back to Vancouver. But obviously, I was paying attention to things that were going on. And even where I was in Florida, there was reports um, that came out about a bus crash, a fatal bus crash um, in BC in the interior. It was hard to miss. It was getting coverage everywhere. Uh, and it was just a little reminder of, of the kinds of tragedies that seem so much more amplified over the holidays as well. There are two separate investigations going on tonight, including one by the RCMP, into that fatal bus crash in BC's interior on Christmas Eve. Four people were killed. Uh, about 50 were injured when that passenger bus, which was headed westbound on Highway 97C, rolled onto its side east of Merritt, BC. Its conditions were described as icy. Uh, that's sort of the, 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 the running hypothesis right now, that road conditions were poor at the time. Um, it ended up in the eastbound lanes of the highway that connects Kelowna to the Coquihalla Highway. One of the victims was 41-year-old Karanjot Singh Sodhi. Uh, he leaves a wife and two young kids back in India. He came to this country about three months ago to work as a long-haul trucker, but was taking the bus back to meet his family for the holidays in the suburbs of Vancouver. His cousin, uh, Kalwinder Singh, has worked as a long-haul trucker for the past decade. He has experience driving the roads, uh, the same road. And he believes that 400-kilometer stretch of road from eastern BC to Surrey is amongst the worst in North America. Please be careful about that highways. Too many bad things happen in all ways. I am a long-haul truck driver from last 10 years. Every year, the same story. They did not clean the road. Uh, that was Kalwinder Singh. He is the cousin of one of the victims, the only one who's been identified so far of the four who died in that bus crash uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, there have been questions as to whether that stretch of road had been properly plowed, if the bus should have been operating. Of course, there are always those sorts of questions. There'll be a mechanical inspection of the bus as well. Yesterday, BC's Minister of Transportation, Rob Fleming, said um, the road conditions were okay and that commercial vehicles are prepared for that kind of weather. There's a lot of questions that people want answers to, myself included. We don't have those answers today. We must let the investigators do their work and uh, report out on anything that may have contributed uh, to such a devastating, tragic occurrence uh, that ripped across British Columbia. BC's Minister of Transportation, Rob Fleming, speaking yesterday. Well, there were so many stories of people who stopped to help, of course, uh, on that stretch of road. One of them was Bill Gerber. He was traveling with his wife and daughter uh, along the highway, that same stretch of road, heading to Kelowna uh, when they came upon the crash. And he joins me now. Bill, thank you so much. Yes, good evening. Um, I'm happy to be able to join you tonight for this. Yeah, I, I can only imagine that as time goes on, you must still be thinking a lot about what you saw that night because, I, I you know, having seen tragedy in my life as well, you know, those, those images have a way of sort of settling in on you a little bit and it can be a kind of a difficult time. Uh, yes, yes, um, I did. I did see some things and experience some things you don't often see. And in fact, um, uh, there was the, uh, one lady who was trapped in the front of the bus, and, and I was hearing people say, "Stay with us, stay with us, stay awake, stay awake." And I was thinking about that, and that's what you hear on movies and TV and things like that. And I thought, I've I've never heard that in real life. And yeah. um, so you're, you're right. You the, the images stay with you. Uh, I think time time will heal. Tell me a bit about the night you were you were you you. That's a road I know you drive a, drive a lot. Obviously, uh, tell me a bit about just that night, what it was like, and and uh, and and how how you came upon the crash. 
Okay, well, we we were hemming and hawing whether we were going to go because you know we were the advisories were don't travel unless you really have to. The roads weren't that good. A friend of mine uh, had traveled just ahead of me, and he he called in and said, you know, the roads aren't that bad. They're mostly dry and wet. Um, we were having a bit of a warming trend at that time, and even in the mountains. So we headed out. Uh, we did hit some black ice, uh, which we we negotiated fine when we when we went through it. All the trucks were stopped beside the road putting chains on because it was that was super slick there was one fella a driver that as we were crawling along he stepped out of his truck and when he stepped on the road his feet went out from under him just went and he landed on his back so what we did is we we drove to the shoulder and drove with two two tires on the on the shoulder the snowy shoulder and eventually if you know five or ten five or eight kilometers and that was done then we continue on, and then we got on the connector, and I would, I, I, I'm going to tell you our, my my interpretation of the road. Um, it was compact snow. It was dry snow. In my mind, it was typical winter driving for that stretch of road. Um, it was packed down. They had probably been plowed at some time, and for us, we were we were doing about 80 kilometers an hour. There was very little traffic. My wife, who is my external conscience when we are driving, wasn't even complaining. She was comfortable. And so, and my daughter too. They, they, they let me know when we're, when we're going, when we're exceeding their comfort levels. They're quite vocal. They were both, comfort, you know, with that. To me, the roads seemed typical. I know some people have said they were treacherous. Some people said they should have been closed down. To me, they seem like normal driving. We we'll go to try to get to Cologne every Christmas, and and that's pretty typical of most of the roads in you know in that in the Okanagan in the winter time, I believe. And, and so then you anyway, come oh, across oh, right. Go yeah, ahead. I was going to yeah. say, and then then you come across something that you haven't that is completely oh, yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We were we were flagged down. We saw something up ahead. We saw traffic had stopped, so we slowed down. And and this fella said, "Hey, there's a." There's been an accident up front, up there. He said, do you have a first aid kit or any experience with first aid? They maybe could use it. Um, he didn't even know what it was. And so we said, well, okay. But then he said, well, you know, but I think it might be taken care of. There's a number of people there. So we continued on. And I don't want to sound shallow, but we weren't even planning on stopping. And so we, we just thought, okay, we'll just see what's happening. And if they don't need us, we'll just carry on. I assumed it was one car had spun out of control and then hit the abutment on the side and, you know, and, you know, nothing really. We drive up and then all of a sudden there's all these people standing around, milling around. And we're thinking, well, that's a lot of people for like one car. And then, and then our gaze turns and then we, then we saw the bus and it literally took two or three seconds to sink in. And then it's like, it's a bus. It's a, it's a, you know, then the, these are all the people from the bus. You know, like it was complete shock to come across that and to realize there was a bus here on its side and these people were all part of it. So we just stopped the car. My wife and daughter jumped out and, you know, said, OK, let's go see. Let's go see if we can help. I, I, I continued on because I was in the, the open lane. This bus was kind of taking up the shoulder in the slow lane. So I just moved my car up and still thinking, oh, they're going to be a couple minutes. 
My daughter runs back in about a minute and says, Dad, Dad, we need the blankets. We need the blankets. And so we had three in the car. So she grabbed the blankets. A minute or two later, Dad, Dad, I, I need to get my mittens and my toques and, and your toque and stuff. These people are cold. So she grabbed whatever winter things we had. And then she comes back again and says, Dad, come, come. They need you. They, they need some help lifting someone out of the bus or something. And But by the time I got back there, I think everyone that was coming out of the bus was out. Um, there was some that didn't, never did come out. Uh, yeah. So that's how it happened. And then my wife spotted two, two young ladies that were um, crying and, and had some injuries with some blood showing. And she kind of, you know, worked with them, coached them, encouraged them, um, you know, calmed them. Um, they were actually planning to go right to the airport and head, head off to India first time back in India in six years and we had to break the news to them that they probably weren't going to make their flight which they were hoping to do still shock I'm sure they were in shock right yeah and your, your wife is a retired nurse right I mean they and your daughter has some first aid so they knew what they were doing yeah yeah I mean a little bit out of practice but she knew and then there was a helped a lady who had some severe neck pain and back pain and at the time, we didn't know, but she uh, had a fractured vertebrae in her neck and, and one in her lower back. And so she kept her straight. She was in a lot of pain. And eventually, we were able to lay her down, and which eased her pain a lot, And then, um, which was good because when the paramedics arrived, they, they came with different color ribbons, and they, they, they gave a quick assessment. Okay, if you're standing and you're not in pain, okay, you got, you got um, green. And then if they looked more severe, then they, they, they tore off a, a ribbon and they tied it on their arm yellow, and then the severe ones were red. So they wanted – they did a great job. Um, they wanted and, and, to take, you, obviously, the most, the most injured ones first. Yeah, and, and there were other motorists there too. I mean, there, there, was, there was a group of you that had stopped to help, right? It must have made – I mean, it must have made – it must have been felt so chaotic, but you must have been a real help at that point. I mean, they obviously needed the help, and there you were. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It, it, I think it, initially it was more chaotic. Um, when, we, when we pulled up, I overheard there, and there was some, and I want to give a shout out to some of the bus passengers. There was one fellow there, about 6'1 or 6'2. He was calling out orders, and they were pulling the um, escape hatch off the roof, and I think there was one or two people that maybe came out through there because the lady that was trapped inside the bus was right in the way to of coming out of the windshield where people were walking out through the front of the bus. And so eventually I think they, they took some people out that hatch and they, they ripped that hatch off. And he was the one saying, where's the, where's the, where's the first aid kit? We got to get the first aid kit. And, and so there was some, some of the passengers that really did a, a, a really great job of, of helping. But when I got there, it wasn't that chaotic, um, People were, some people were crying. I think a lot of people were in shock. People were cold. They were shivering. Um, but it wasn't bedlam. It, it, um, there were some other people. There was a couple from Merritt there. Um, and they, they, were, they were helping calm, calm the people. And I remember hearing, hearing her say, you know, the ambulances are on their way now, guys. Okay, let's, let's stick together. Hey, let's huddle together. Stay warm. Don't worry, they're going to be here soon. They're going to take care of all of you, and and I think that had a great calming effect. And then um, my daughter, and I was so proud of her. She was going from person to person, and I kind of, you know, 
I kind of started doing that too, but just, you know, checking, put your hand on their shoulder. Are you okay? Are you okay? And, you know, and, and some of them were, and, and even the ones that were in shock probably didn't know if they were or weren't. And if they needed something, we tried to, we tried to get them what they needed. Um, one girl came up and her hand was quite badly bleeding and right at the perfect time, uh, I think it was another motorist came up with like three towels. So we just took right. a towel, wrapped it around her hand, which already had a tourniquet, but we could see that it was still, it was still kind of bleeding. So, Bill, I understand the story that I was reading about finding a phone that that was quite, um, it was quite, it was, it was poignant and 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 sad all at once. But but you picked up a phone that you found and looked to see if someone there would claim it. Yes, yes. Uh, I picked up a laptop and I found the owner of it, you know, a, a UBC senior engineering student. And, and I had seen this phone on the ground and I kept thinking it must be someone who's been applying first aid. It was right by a first aid kit and no one picked it up. I kept seeing it. And I finally thought, you know, I found the owner for the laptop. Maybe I can find the owner for the phone. So we thought almost somewhat reluctantly, I picked it up. Um, I, I hit the button. So it show it show, showed the picture on the screen and I walked around person to person to person. Is this yours? Is this yours? Is this yours? Is this yours? No luck. No luck. Mm, what should I do? Put it back. Should I put it back down? Should I hang on to it? I ended up hanging on to it. As we continued our journey, it started ringing. And at first it was the boyfriend just trying to reach his girlfriend. It, it actually, at the time we didn't know this, but it belonged to a young 18-year-old girl who was heading home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, then the father called trying to reach his daughter because communication had stopped, uh, texting had stopped. And so we, my daughter, who was also 18, um, she had the phone in the back seat, and she, uh, she communicated with them. She kind of very gently said, well, there's been an accident, and, you know, this has happened, and this has happened, and this has happened. And, of course, they wondered, did we see their daughter? And eventually sent a picture, and is this, did, did you know if you saw her? Well, we bandaged the hand, you know, she's a young Asian um, girl. We bandaged the hand of a young Asian girl, and we thought, maybe that was it. But we were focused on her hand and not on her looks. Well, that night, about 1130, um, they called, the the boyfriend called. He tried all the hospitals. No one had, she had not been registered anywhere, um, which was kind of sad. And so we were thinking, oh, what happened? My daughter said, could she have been kidnapped? Like, anyway, you know, like, how does this girl disappear? Anyway, she missed a couple calls. I think one at three in the morning, one at one in the morning, but at five thirty, got a call from the mom and the police had been to the door with bad news. So mom, sorry. Yeah. The mom called. Yeah. The mom called and said, but you saw her. She can't be gone. You you saw her, didn't you? You saw her there. Right. And 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 we hadn't. You know, we we thought maybe maybe, you know. But you know, as a parent, you know, you're 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 grasping at straws because who wants to accept that? Who wants to accept that when you're expecting your daughter to show up on your porch and it and it turns up being the RCB with that kind of news? But yeah. anyway, um, there was. You know, my daughter handled it very well. She said, well, you know, these are the, the police and, and, you know, they have good information and, and you, 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 she's going to have to trust them. 
Um, so the dad said, hey, can, can you bring the phone, you know, to, to us? Turns out they live about 10 minutes from where we live. Oh, wow. So we got home. We got home um, Boxing Day evening, and we took it over there at 8.30. And, um, um, yeah, we were there almost an hour with these people. And what was kind of special was that um, these people felt that somehow, you know, we didn't know how it ended up on the ground in front of the bus. She was um, we later on learned that she was probably sitting in the back of the bus. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't scratched and beat up. We stopped on our way home and we found three cell phones and we we're trying to find owners. Now, you know, this phone was in perfect condition. Anyway, Bill, I, only have, that, I only have about 15 seconds left. Sorry about that. But been, okay. Anyway, so nice to share the we story. were able yeah. to return it. We were able to return it and, and it was, the family was ever, ever so grateful. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your time with me tonight. And, uh, you know, it really does hit home just how tragic these events are to, to mm-hmm. hear that story. Yes. Okay. Thank you for allowing me to share. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.